Now, once you weren't you wondering what was going to happen when it got down to double zeros? <laughs> I guess that means I'm up. <laughs> I hope you're not disappointed. Well, today I'm trying to make a different fashion statement. Uh, I am wearing for the first time a bow tie. Now, Marlon, uh, Jacqueline's husband, he is, he is a bow tie man. And I told him the other day he liked my bow tie and he bought me this bow tie. But it wasn't tied. Gosh, I prayed this morning, I prayed this morning getting this thing to look like this. What do you think, Marlon? All right? All right, all right, all right. It, it takes some effort to do, but I, I got there finally. I was really getting frustrated and realized I really need to go to church today. So I'm here and you're here, so I'm not sure what to expect, but at least we got a bow tie and it is tied. This morning our scripture lesson is taken from uh, out of the Gospel of John. Uh, John, if you're uh, new to the Christian faith or maybe exploring the Christian faith and want to start reading the Bible or maybe you've been on the journey for a while and not read the Bible much, the Gospel of John is an excellent place to begin. Uh, because it's arranged in such a way that it seems that each chapter is a new story. And these stories have power and meaning at many different levels. So I encourage you to read in the Gospel of John. This is found in John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Now listen to what we're told in this story. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, there, was a, there is a pool called in Hebrew Beth Zetha. It had five porticos. And in these lay invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once, the man was made well, and he took his mat and began to walk. Now, that day was a Sabbath. Later, Jesus found this same man in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worth happens to you. Let's pray. Father, today we pray that you would speak in a way that we can understand. And Lord, give us the heartfelt desire to be made well, to be made whole. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been asked a question that has an obvious answer? Say, for example, you've gone to some kind of festival, and there is this big sign that says, free hot dog. And you want a hot dog, you're really hungry, and you're out in that crowd, and you think, I really want one of those hot dogs they're giving away. You see a few people eating them, and you see, of course, the mustard on their shirts and so forth, and think, I'd really like to have a hot dog. You been there, you know? And so you decide you're going to get one, and so you go to where that table is, but there is this long line that you really want a hot dog. And the line is moving really, really, really slow. 
And after 20 minutes, you finally get up to the place where the hot dogs are being given away, and the woman behind the table says to you, do you want a hot dog? In all of those situations, I want to say, duh. Why do you think I've been standing here all this time? Well, here in this story, Jesus asked this question that has what seems to be such an obvious answer. Here's a man at a place where he believes if he can get into the water at the right time, he would be made whole. And he's been coming day after day for a long period of time. And Jesus asked the man, do you want to be healed? The answer seems to be so obvious. But yet in the midst of that question is found some revelation about wholeness, health, and vitality that I believe can impact our lives in such significant ways that if we live into it, if we understand it, we can be transformed. So this morning I want to invite you to join me as we try to explore those revelations. During Jesus' day uh, in Jerusalem, there was a a rather well-known pool of water. It was a a pool that had been formed around a a natural spring where water uh, bubbled out of the earth. Uh, This spring was known to, on occasion, to have some activity underneath the surface that would cause bubbles to rise to the top. Now, it was believed that those waters had healing power, particularly when the water was being stirred up and bubbles were rising. As a matter of fact, folks believed that if you were sick and you could be the first one into the water when it was bubbling, you would be made well. You'd be healed. And so people would come to the holy city. People would come to this pool who were sick waiting for the waters to bubble up in just hopes that they would be the first one in and would be healed. Now, you know, for us moderns, we look at that story and we think it's rather superstitious. But, you know, there throughout history have been people who believe that in certain waters there are healing powers. Today, If you were to travel across the Mississippi River and go into the state of Arkansas and go to western Arkansas, you could come to a a city by the name of Hot Springs. Do you know how Hot Springs got its name? It has hot springs there. Duh. But those hot springs have been very special to folks. Matter of fact, in the century just passed, there at those hot springs where those hot waters boiled out of the ground, There was a hospital constructed, and people would come to Hot Springs, Arkansas in belief that if they could bathe in those hot, mineral-rich waters, it would make them feel better. As a matter of fact, there was a polio wing there in that hospital where those waters boiled up and people would come to bathe, hoping that it would relieve their suffering and help to make them well. So here is this man by this pool, waiting for the waters to be stirred, when Jesus walks up. And Jesus looks at the crowd. He probably did like I do when I'm in a crowd. I try to weigh out who's there and who the people are and so forth. And Jesus was kind of looking at everyone, and he saw this man. He picked him out of everybody else, and he walked up to him, and he said, 
Do you desire to be made well? This man, for 38 years, had been lame. Maybe he was 38 years old at the time. Maybe he'd been lame since birth. And day after day, he had been brought to this pool in hopes that on that day, he would be the winner of the healing lottery when the waters bubbled up. But you know, he had a problem. He was lame. He was slow. And always when the waters bubbled up, someone got in there before him. And now Jesus is asking him this question that seems to have such an obvious answer. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? And it seems the answer to the question would be, Yes, Jesus, I want to be made well. In the New Testament, there are some six different Greek words that are used and translated in some way as healing. Aomai is one, therapeuo, where we get our word therapy, is uh, another word, sozo, where we typically translate as saved, and then it's cousin dia sozo. Each of these words, when you read them in their context, adds kind of a different color to what healing is about. And then the other two words that are used are uh, hygiene, which is our word where we get the word hygiene, and then okalakleros, And both of these words have a little bit different color to them when it comes to healing. You see, these last two words are not just about someone being cured of some kind of sickness or disease or some kind of physical problem, but they're about being whole or complete. When Jesus was asking this man at the pool, do you want to be made well? He was asking this man, do you really want to become whole? You see, for Jesus, healing was not just something that happens to the physical body. For Jesus, healing was and is about human wholeness. There are a lot of folks who are not lame, who could walk today for 20 miles and have no problem doing it, and yet they are lacking many things in their lives. They are not whole. Jesus wants us to be made whole. Jesus wants us to be made whole. In this story about this man... Jesus had healed him on the Sabbath day, and after the man was healed, some of the religious leaders uh, felt that what Jesus had done was wrong, healing on the Sabbath. They thought he had worked, and that was taboo, of course, in the Jewish understanding of the Sabbath. And so they interrogated this man after he was healed. And then Jesus later found him, and he said to the man, he said, Now you've been made whole. But don't go on sinning that something else happened to you. Now, there's a lot to unravel in all of that, and I don't want to go into that now. But in those very words of Jesus is this sense, there's something more to your healing than just 
your body being made well and you being able to walk. Uh, Early in my ministry, I encountered uh, an extraordinary woman of faith by the name of Margaret. She was a pillar of the church that I was serving, and she worked hard to fulfill that church's mission. She had a deep love for Jesus, and she sought in every way to please her Lord. When I first became her pastor, I saw her amazing love and faith demonstrated in such acts of love and kindness toward others and serving in the church. It was during that time to also learn that for several years prior to my coming to that church, Margaret had wrestled with cancer. And what had happened so often was that uh, she had had a, a, a flare-up of cancer, and then she would essentially get better. The cancer would be held at bay. It would go into remission. But there had been this pattern of the cancer flaring up, going into remission, cancer flaring up, going into remission. And that continued in her life, uh, even through my time as her pastor. Until, in the final episode, the cancer flared up to the degree that her body just couldn't fight it off anymore. And she was called home to be with Jesus. But there was something very remarkable about... Margaret, even in the midst of her suffering, when others prayed for her and she prayed for herself, she never lost faith in Jesus and never lost her desire to serve. In reflecting on Margaret's life, her body may have been infected with cancer, but she experienced a true wholeness in life. Paul wrote to his friends in the church of Thessalonica, and at the end of that letter, which made its way into our Bible, uh, he, he gave this blessing. He wrote this. He said, May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. By the word sanctify just means to make you holy. May he sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This idea of being sound goes back to this of being whole. Paul here gives us an important understanding of who and what we are as human beings. You see, God created you and me as triune beings. We consist of three very important parts, body, soul, and spirit. In Genesis chapter 2, and I would encourage you when you go home to read Genesis chapter 2 again, it's a wonderful story about creation. You find the creation of this first human being, and it says that God formed this first creature out of the dirt of the earth. That's body. Then it says God breathed into that form, breath, spirit, And that form became a living soul. Your body. It's what you can see. It's what allows you to hear. It's all the physical parts of who and what you are. Your soul. 
is that unique essence, your very being. It is what uniquely makes you, you. Your soul can think and feel and perceive. It has affection to it. Your soul is the core of your being. And spirit, it's that life that doesn't come from you, but has come from God. It is that breath that has breathed life into your being. You are body, soul, and spirit. Now, the thing about this triune nature of ours is that we just can't easily separate the three. It's, it comes as a package deal. You know, I can't suck your soul out of you. You know, we might have some of the movies that talk about doing that, but that really doesn't happen. I mean, that's not the way life works, okay? We are body, soul, and spirit, uniquely connected together. God created you. God created me in that way. Triune beings, body, soul, and spirit. This understanding makes one of our important Christian beliefs so fundamental. Uh, occasionally in here we will do the Apostles' Creed. Sometimes we have sang the Apostles' Creed. Um, and in the Apostles' Creed, there is a line that becomes very important. We say, we believe in, I believe in, and it says, in the resurrection. Now, when we say that line in the Apostles' Creed, it in part is referring to Jesus being raised from the dead, but it's more than that. It is a belief that God will raise our physical bodies, and we will be reunited in the kingdom to come as complete human beings, once again, body, soul, and spirit. This body that is buried corruptible, which disintegrates basically in the ground, or if we are cremated, there's ashes there, and it kind of disappears. God is going to miraculously transform so that in the age to come, we are fully human. You see, eternity isn't for us, this of where our bodies die, and then we are some kind of uh, spirit souls that kind of float out in an ethereal world existence somewhere. But God has in store that we are restored fully as triune beings. Now, for me, that's big stuff. That's important stuff in our faith. God created us to be whole. Body, soul, and spirit. Uh, I grew up uh, and was nurtured in a, in a culture and tradition where there was lots of talk about uh, saving souls. Uh, and I'm grateful for that heritage. It was very important. It's very important to me. And I oftentimes heard how Jesus came into this world to save souls. And there was talk about some people, oftentimes preachers, who were soul winners. And these were people who uh, were evangelistic-minded, and they shared the message about Jesus, and they talked about how that Jesus came into this world to save folks so that when they died they could go to heaven. And in that culture, which again is very important and a very important part of, of our Christian understanding, uh, basically the soul was understood as uh, this part of us that when we died, if we were in right relationship with Jesus, would go to heaven. 
people were seen as souls to be saved. Now again, it's important to mention, and I don't want to minimize that, but as I have grown in my faith and increased in my understanding, I've come to understand that God is not just interested in getting your soul or my soul into heaven. God wants to put heaven into our souls. I've come to understand that just as the human body can get sick and not be well, the soul and even the spirit can experience maladies that prevent wholeness in our lives. We can be sick in the soul. We can be tired in the soul. Jesus said, all you are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Rest for your souls. God wants us to be whole, healthy and well, body, soul, and spirit. One New Testament writer wrote about this, and he said this. He said, although you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with indescribable glorious joy, for you're receiving the outcome of your faith. And what does he say? The salvation of your souls. Yeah, there's something about salvation that after this life we go to be with Jesus, but then there's also this aspect that God wants you, that essence of who you are, that soul within you, the spirit, the breath of God. God wants you, body, soul, and spirit, to be whole. So when Jesus walks up to this guy who was there at that pool, he wasn't just saying, man, do you want to be able to walk again? Yeah, that was part of the story. And he wasn't just saying this man, man, when you die, do you want to go to heaven? Jesus wanted that, yes. But Jesus was saying this man, do you really want to be made whole? Do you want to be complete in God as God wants you to be complete? Do you want to be all that God has created you to be? Man, do you want to be whole? And that is the question. That is the question that has echoed through the ages out of this story and the ministry of Jesus to us today. Do you really want to be made whole? And in the very asking of that question, there is an assumption that some don't. Some don't. Some have wrestled so much with the malady of soul and spirit and body that they've just kind of given up. And they think that that's all there is to life. It's just this misery I'm feeling, this misery I'm experiencing. But Jesus asked, do you really want to be made whole? And then there are some who have found those maladies of body, soul, and spirit to be an excuse of taking responsibility for life and living as God wants them to live. And then there are some who take those maladies and, 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 and let it be for them a way of drawing attention to themselves. So they're the center of the world instead of Jesus being the center of the world. But Jesus asks, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? And maybe the starting place of our healing, 
whether it's healing of the body, whether it's healing of the soul or healing of the spirit, is answering this question. Do you want to be made whole? And we say, yes, 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 I want to be made whole. So this morning, how about you? Do you want to be made whole? Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we resist. And Lord, sometimes we don't want to be made whole. But Lord, overcome our desires within and give us this bubbling desire just as that spring bubble up. Let there be a spring inside of us that cries out, Lord, make me whole and let us be made whole by you. Amen. This morning as the band leads us in our final song, maybe you've heard that question and you want to come and pray. Maybe you've got something troubling you body, maybe soul, maybe spirit, maybe somebody you love, you know, or going through some tough times, you want to pray for them. Well, this room here in the front, on the front rows, come pray. And if you want one of your pastors,